everybody, and welcome to another special edition of Songs from the Basement. Today we have David Levine as our special guest in the basement. So join us, me, Dave, and Stuart Held. Yeah, that's right, all three of us. No, all two of us in the basement, unless you want to call maintenance man number two, uh, our special beagle that uh, makes her... Well, she makes makes sure that everything sounds right, right? Anyway, that n- didn't make sense. Anyway, join us all already in progress as we still continue to talk about life, music, and everything else we can think of. Let's uh, do the very first song. By the way, this was not their first record. This is like their fifth one. Uh, they had about four albums before this one, KC. Okay. And they're from uh, Hialeah, Florida. Did I say it right? If 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 that's where they're from, then if you Hialeah, if they, Florida, if they're Florida, from, if they're if well if they're from Hialeah, then you said it right. Okay. I'm good. not sure which part of Florida they're from. Okay. But if they are from Hialeah, then you said it right. Oh, good. That's uh, it's, it's southwest of Miami. If I said St. Petersburg, I'm wrong. Correct. But maybe be, they played up there. Yeah, I'm sure they did. I mean, t- uh, Tampa St. Pete is uh, about four hours okay. north of there. That's on the other side of uh, Florida, actually. Yeah, it's so. on the Gulf Coast side. Okay. Well, for all the people that uh, do remember this, and if you haven't heard it in a while, that's okay. We'll play it because Dave is forcing me to do so. <laughs> not forcing him to do <laughs> oh, so. Oh, yes, you, you want to play. I page. I, I didn't. Oh, oh. Anyway, uh, Casey and the Sunshine Band from 75. Let's all do a little dance, make a little lunch, and get down tonight on Songs from the Basement. Make 
we're going to do a little dance, make a little lunch. Kind of get down tonight. KC in the Sunshine Band right now, 1975. For the phrase that pays right here at www. Okay, I'll stop with the W's. Uh, no one knows what the hell's going on anyway. Anyway, this is uh, Stuart Held and Dave Levine uh, getting down today on KC and the Sunshine Bands. Get down on your mama album. So there, in fact, there was a radio station in town uh, that was called U100. I remember you. I, rem- oh, I remember U100. They lasted, I mean, as that format, maybe only a couple of years, but I remember U100. Yeah. They tried to compete with KQRS here in town as the classic rock station. I, I I much preferred them at the time, but they didn't survive. They, they didn't, financial problems. But they were giving away this uh, KC album, and they said, Be the 44th caller for the Get Down on Your Mama album by KC and the Sunshine Band. I'm thinking, you, you mean there's a title? Get Down on Your Mama album? That'd be cool. <laughs> okay, yeah. Why not? Um, but anyway, um, who, who won the album? My brother did. Ah. So, and uh, I have my own copy, and it's from Canada, actually. I have an import from that. And it's on RCA, not TK Records. So, anyway, that's a piece of useless information everyone needs to know. And now they know it. Now they know it. So now you can't say, oh, I never heard that before. You've now heard it. Okay. Keep replaying the show because we need the listeners and the subscribers. By the way, subscribe, people. Yeah, please subscribe. Yeah. Dave Dave has to keep paying me. Yeah. Please subscribe so I don't have to pay him so much. Okay. Please. Pay me. Okay, uh, what are we doing next? You're going to set this weird song up. This is going to be the strange one for the show, but then again, we've been playing a couple strange ones already. Um, This was actually, you mentioned uh, uh, KQRS, actually, when they were a a real album rock station way back in the early 70s when they were a drug station, or they played hippie, druggy, tripped-out music. Even though we we were probably too young to know what that would have meant. That's true. I listened to them way back when because uh, I had one of my friends, their parents used to listen to that station, and they were they were introducing me to strange stuff like Chicago and Santana and this band, uh, and you know other people uh, what called Sean Phillips and uh, people like that way back when Jackson Brown even well I was listen- he was big I was listening to KQ because my brother my brother Mark introduced me to groups like. Um, Black Sabbath and Deep Purple and uh, stuff like that. So I would have heard this on uh, KQ as well. Yep. I heard this in 1971, and I was just like, I had to sit by the radio. I was actually watching, I had the radio on and the TV on, and I was actually watching the Doris Day show. That's a good, this is a good background for Doris Day, kind of like the Wizard of Oz (laughs) and Dark Side of the Moon are parallels. Exactly. Yeah, this this is a good parallel. And all of a sudden, I hear this this strange organ on here, and I'm thinking, and I'm listening to the words. I, I stopped listening, watching the Doris Day thing, and I'm listening to the radio. I'm like, what the heck is this? And me being a little eight-year-old kid, I could make sense of what the heck yeah, is going on. Yeah, I was on. five or six, and I couldn't yeah. make sense of it, but I liked the sirens. And it, and I, 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 me and my friends would listen to the song, and we'd spin around like when the sirens are going and at the end of the, <laughs> and the end of the song when everyone's down and dying or whatever. We lay down on the ground it's just that's it was just it's my memory of the, the song it's just a really strange song it's not like you're going to be you know, it, this doesn't this does not have a great beating it's not easy to dance to you're not going to give it a 45 <laughs> you can't get down to it no huh? you can't get down to this tonight or any other night not this one no nope. um, but we are going to play it because it's kind of a halloweenish ghoulish type song it is but it's from our memories and actually there was a song that i uh used to dance to with my cousin uh we used to 
join hands and uh, spin around the room and yell help, the help dance. It was to Rock of All Ages from Badfinger. All right. Uh, and I told my friend Joe Mullen about that, too, and he goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, That's it? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we, we were sweating to the oldies to you back then. So, anyway, the song we're going to play, it's not in the best condition because I don't want to play the eight-minute version of this. So we're going to play the uh, crappy 45 version, the scratch mix of this blood rock in a song called DOA, which means Dead on Arrival. Yes. And uh, the guy who produced this also produced... Um, uh, Grand Funk Railroad. In fact, it's Terry Brown. Well, let me look at this here. Oh, no, no, not Terry Brown. Terry Knight. And Blood Rock, I believe, is from Canada. So, um, Not sure. Um, I'm going to take your word for it because you have a million records here and you're probably going to be right. Okay. As long as I'm right. You're right. Okay. Anyway, Blood Rock from 1970. Uh, remember, it's only three minutes and it's only a song, okay? So don't get scared, all right? It's just a song.
Brent, Lindsay, Howard, and even Broadway Joe? Try WMMR's alternative to bland, unimaginative sports programming. Tune in to WMMR Friday night at 6 p.m. and listen to Sports Talk, the university's only live call-in sports show. Each week, your hosts, Jeff Papis and Dave Levine, will discuss current sports events, headlines, and take your phone calls at 373-2500. So tune to Sports Talk. Friday night at 6 on the U-Sound Stereo 96 WMMR.
and five right there. Solid gold right here at ATC. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, wrong letters. ABC. Their very first uh, hit, actually, once they got to Motown. And that goes all the way back to early 1970. A number one song right there. Solid gold. Pick of the pack and moving higher all the time. <laughs> Jackson five right there. And the one before that was uh, Sports Talk, um, which was a promo for Dave's early show or an early show for you. Uh, Sports Talk from uh, the WMMR days in 1985. That's why I played that between the other one. And then the one before that was the ghoulish one, Blood Rock yeah. from Canada, DOA. Yeah, that, uh, I hadn't heard that in so long, and I'm thinking to myself as, and the song is going on, it lasts three something minutes, like Stu was saying, the single version, it's like, who came up with this idea? What? Why are they doing this to us? And the thing is, yeah, it's like, why? Um, and it's it's not it's not exactly as I remembered it, but the thing is, I remember listening to it growing up. I remember listening to it, like I said, the sirens would go, we'd spin around and go, and we had no idea as four year olds, five year olds, six year olds what was the song was really about or what was going on, and we just remember the sirens, mm-hmm. and we liked the sirens. Um, but I mean, listening to that as a fifty five year old adult. <laughs> What the heck was that? <laughs> it was a song. Honest to goodness. I mean, seriously. And people who come, bought who that pitches too. that? Who pitches the idea and said, got a great idea for a hit? You, you're yeah, guys going to love song. this. Yeah. And the, uh, yeah. It, I know. It was very bizarre. We were thinking differently in 1970. Yeah, it's like, okay, so what songs didn't make it? Uh, well, there was a good one by the Partridge family called, uh, uh, what was it? Um, hit by a bus? <laughs> <laughs> Hit by a loss by the Partridge family. Uh, no, there was a good one off their first record, but I, but yeah, that wasn't a single. No, I mean, what 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 did Blood Rock pitch as songs that didn't make it to that album? This uh, made it. What didn't? Uh, I can pull the record out if you want. No, no, I want to know. <laughs> what, right, I want to know. No, no, I want to know what didn't make it. Okay, they had fifteen to sixteen songs that they they pitched, and ten made the album. What didn't make it? This song made it. What didn't? Well, let's ask the other question. Who was the bilingual idiot who decided that is going to be the single? Yeah. And who edited it down to work on that whole thing? Yeah. And why? We're going to make this, this the, guys, <laughs> this one's, well, the thing is, I want to say that it it may have been one of those, there's no such thing as bad publicity things, that because it was so controversial or whatever, that it if it generated a buzz in the... Oh, it definitely did. If it generated a buzz in the... Uh, the music industry or in the radio uh, play industry, that's maybe why they pushed that as a single, just because of the no, there's no such thing as bad publicity. There's bad publicity. Yeah, and you know what makes me mad about that? I wasted eight minutes hearing the album version of that when I could have been watching Doris Day. I think Doris probably would have been offended by that, too. Yeah, I, I think so, too. So that's why that was there, because that was a part of our childhoods. That's why in, we played in, it. That's why we played it. It's a some song I remember from my childhood. The reason why ABC was that was one of the very first uh, songs I remember paying, buying a single of that 
with my own money. So that's one of the, and the next one that he's going to play is like the second song I remember buying a single of with my own money. So you yeah. partner the growing up with ABC and Tony Orlando and Don, which is coming up, and Blood Rock, and you know <laughs> yeah. what happened to me growing up and why I'm the way I am today. Yeah, we, we definitely molded and shaped you into wow. uh, in your personality. Oy vey. Oy. I'm, ser- I'm, I'm serious. I want, I, it would be interesting to talk to those people that were part of Blood Rock if if they have any working brain cells right now and ask them okay what didn't make the record was it songs about eating live children was it songs about hey, they had a song called children heritage on the b-side of that 45 oh goodness gracious i kid you not i'm no. not even i don't want to hear no i don't want to hear it no no he's showing it to me and it's oh Goodness, I don't. I don't. Now I'm curious, wanting to know what it sounds like, and not wanting to know We're what it sounds like. It. The same. I no, didn't mean I here anywhere. I have no idea. One I've, blood rock song for each show. I, oh, thank you. I don't. Welcome. I don't know what it sound. What the song is about. It could be the upbeat song about you know fairies and unicorns and ponies and popcorn, or it could be a song about having them eating kids. I don't know. I don't. They want, don't taste I, good. I don't know what it's about. And I, I don't want to hear it, and I'm curious at the same time. <laughs> I'll let you just have the album. Bring it home to Florida for you. Oh, my God. Well, Seriously, no. that's, that's that again, I that's three yeah, and a half, it, of, <laughs> three and a half minutes while that song, Stuart and I are talking about, and we're just looking at each other saying, who, can, who, yeah, great idea, let's do this one. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Right, great idea, let's, well, let's pitch okay, this one to the I'll, A&R. I'll tell you what, uh, I'll play you the Chicken Delight twist now. All right. Okay. Uh, we'll do that after in a couple songs here. All right. In the meantime, let's have some happy stuff. Yes. Which is going to be a happy song by the legendary Tony Orlando and Don. Let's just knock, knock three times from the same period, 1971. On Songs from the Basement. on the ceiling if you want. 
Songs from the Basement, a rock and roll alternative.
Elvis Presley right there. No, just kidding. Elvis Costello in a song called Clean Money from the Taken Liberties record. Uh, that was actually a record of compilation of a lot of stuff he didn't use from his uh, three previous years. Did come out in 1980. It's not a bad record. Uh, album number four for him, I believe it was. Uh, one before that was um, The Sweet, their very first 45 in 1968 called It's Lonely Out There. I wanted to play that. That was one of those songs that uh, influenced me when I was a kid. Uh, from a K-Tel record. And then Dawn, Knock Three knock three Times, number one from 1971. And then uh, I think we covered the Jackson 5 here. So, yep. uh, one of the questions I want I'll to ask to you, this, the sweet thing. Yeah. Um, now, Ballroom Blitz obviously was their biggest, best-known song. Uh, Fox on the Run was another big hit of theirs. Action. Action. Another huge one. So how did you have that song be your influence of the suite as maybe opposed to other ones i mean you've you've introduced me to so many deep tracks of different groups of groups i've known and i thought i was familiar with it's like well have you heard of this song or this song no i haven't i may have heard their, their hits and maybe a couple others but you've introduced me to so many different uh songs and also different artists that i wasn't really aware of before where did you either find your love of listening to all of the tracks of an album, as opposed to just the songs that were getting airplay, or how did you how did how did that come about in your genesis of becoming a music fan and music lover, and then learning from that to build on that and doing this show? Yeah. Oh, it's it's simple. I I was basically I'm a musical hipster, All right. and here's here's my influence when I was uh, a baby. And my mom told me this, that before, when you were just learning to walk, Stuart, when you were crawling, uh, I blame my sister for this. I blame my family for this, actually. We, everybody in my family had a, a record player, a turntable in their bedrooms. And when I was in, uh, when I was maybe a half year old or maybe a year old, my mom would throw me in my playpen. I mean, physically, head first. No, just kidding. <laughs> Did and um, but anyway, I would hear this this neat sound like music, and I I would try to get in my playpen and try and crawl out to find out what what this where the musical, song was coming from exactly. And I wanted to know what it was. And once um, I was able to crawl around the family room floor and all that when that, you know about a year ago uh, with my <laughs> bottle <laughs> a year ago diapers. a year yeah. ago that's good Congratul- was, congratulations congratulations. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Where do, where do you get a where do you shop for a Hallmark card for that? Uh, 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 Kresge's, <laughs> all right, or or Spartan Atlantic, Ooh. Kmart, okay, Target, no, not Target. Anyway, um, but the thing is, when I was a baby in the mid '60s, you know, uh, my sisters would have all these neat records. Well, now they're all common: Beach Boys, Beatles, Rome Adventure, the soundtracks, and Guys and Dolls, and uh, you know, just various 45s that we had. And some of them were very obscure. I was able to get them again when I was able to buy records um, with my own money, not my dad's money. Come on, Stuart, here's another record. Anyway, um, but anyway, my sister would uh, have this Columbia Hi-Fi from the 1950s, and it would, it would sit on her bedroom floor, and she'd be playing Meet the Beatles or uh, one of the Beatle records or the Surfing Girl record by the Beach Boys. And I just wanted to, I'm just curious. I just want to know what, what it is. And she would have the box that the top closed, but you could see the speaker. And I was like, I like the song, whatever it is, you know, Surfer's Moon by the Beach Boys or uh, Not a Second Time by the Bagels, Beatles, you know, tracks from the Beatle records. Right. And 
I, I try to open the damn thing up, and my sister was like, Stuart, don't touch that. You're going to break my 45 or my record player. Well, she was right. And yeah, she was. So she left it open one day, or one night, and I crawl up, and she's playing, you know, one of those records. And instead of wondering what the song was, I thought, wow, what's, what's this thing spinning around, this black round whatever with a seven o'clock arm on it i'm thinking we better take that thing off it's gonna hurt that uh black thing so what i did i took the thing and just went eh, and my sister went Stuart, what are you doing don't touch my record yet. and i and i'm I, I couldn't talk back then saying look you know uh sister that thing is on that that black round thing spinning around. That will hurt it. <laughs> Stupid me. Anyway, so she puts it back on, and the record's okay, and I'm just watching with my arms on the top of the turntable, watching the record spinning around, the Capitol Record rainbow label of whatever it was, and I was amazed by it. The 7 o'clock tone arm, you know, the needle. Mm-hmm. And I just like to see the grooves moving on the song. Sure, or the okay. inner The inner and groove and the label and all that. I was... It was entertainment to me. That was my TV show. And I did that forever. Uh, For two, three years, my other sister had a turntable, and she would listen to her soundtracks. And I would sit right there watching the label spinning around, you know, like like this. Yep, got it. And I I don't know what the, why my fascination was with records. But where did it come to the listening to the deeper tracks and having an affinity for them as opposed to just the hits? Okay. Okay, well, when my uh, sisters and brothers would buy records, like let's say the, uh, my brother would buy um, the single, the 45 of Fakin' It by um, Simon Garfunkel. Okay. okay. Um, when he wasn't around, when I learned to work a turntable, when I was two years old, three years old, um, I would go into his room and I would play his records. And then, okay, I'd listen to, you know, the familiar song and I would hear it on the radio, like, oh, my, you know, Fakin' It, Simon Garfunkel. Then it, I... I flip the record over there's another song that song was called you don't know where your interest lies and i would play that and i was thinking wow i like that better then my dad kept bringing home records for me he knew i liked records he got guys here's some records for you and i would oh boy good and i would listen to these records and I would get familiar with a lot of unfamiliar songs that never became hits. Okay. Or um, my brother would buy Western Union by the Five Americans. That was a big hit in 67. Stupid me, I would flip the record over and play the B-side called Now That It's Over, and I liked that one better. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it just came from uh, first listening to the radio, hearing all the hits at the time, like Hang On Snoopy or Sloopy by the McCoys, uh, Five Americans, Pushing Too Hard the Seeds, Paperback Rider by the Bagels, um, you know, all the hits that were coming out in the 60s, and then getting into other ones over the years. And when I started, um, you know, uh, my, my parents would buy me records, like uh, the very one of the very first albums that I got a rock record was uh, Beatles 6 by the Beatles. Okay. And I play the album all the way through, you know, hearing hearing that. And I only remember hearing one song on the radio from that record. It's uh, Eight Days a Week. And I remember not liking that song, but I liked everything else. I like the song now, but when, when you're five, six years old, you know, it was like, eh, whatever. Um, 
one of the first songs I guess I liked, according to my mom, there were two of them. I would sit there for hours at my sister's hi-fi, the 45 of Downtown by Petula Clark. Okay. And my mom said, I had to buy you five copies of it. You kept trying to take it off the turntable and breaking the record. Oh, wow. Then we had to go back to Target and get another 45, and you break that one, and then I had to keep going. Every week, Stuart, I bought you five copies of that. You kept hearing it, Downtown, Downtown. She got sick of the song. And there was another song. I think she got sick of buying it over and over again. True, they were like eighty-eight cents at the time. So, oh, I mean, I was a lot. I was costing my mom a lot of money. Yeah, and I didn't know better. But um, I've got one copy. Well, no, five copies of the album, and five. No, um, one copy of the album, and then two copies of a forty-five, so I don't break them anymore. Well, and if one breaks, I know where to get another one. Yeah, Target. Yeah, at Target. <laughs> but, um, yeah, there was one song that I'm, we're not going to play because I, I don't have it out, unless I can find it quick. Uh, one influential song, one of my favorite songs of all time. In fact, one of the people who do listen to the show commented on this a few years ago. I played it. It was by a, a local group called The Chancellors, called Little Latin, Latin Loopaloo. It was originally written by the Righteous Brothers and done by them. And a lot of other people have covered it. But the Chancellor's version on Soma Records, a local label, um, my sister had the, the 45. And she played on her turntable over and over and over and over. And I got to like it, and I just absolutely loved that song. When I was uh, um, you know, a kid in diapers, and I love the song now, I can play it forever and ever and ever. That's one song I don't get tired of. And uh, that's how I think I, I got tired of hearing the hits on the radio, and I wanted to hear more music. I was addicted to it, actually. And having my dad go to Shopper City, you remember that place? I do. Yeah, Zayer Shopper City. Yeah, it was right? Shopper City, then Zayer Shopper City, yep. Yeah, and they and they they got uh, got rid of They used to give 45s away. If you bought a 45, they would give you one or two um, promotional records and stuff that they couldn't sell. And one of the guys at one point in the early 70s, I took a couple of my friends, actually, around the block. Uh, we went there. My parents took them and me and we were in the record department and one guy said hey kids you want some records and we're like yeah so they gave one of my friends two 45s and my other friend two 45s and gave me me a couple and it was like oh wow we're gonna have records and we're comparing the records and all that and you know one of my friends uh got a record that he threw away and i'm i'm pissed at him for it because i want to hear it again and i can't find it on youtube it's a a version of watermelon man by some girl group that really made a good hip version of it in the early 70s and i haven't heard it since maybe 1972 at the latest so, but I just like to hear album tracks from records or albums, and instead of just getting a record like Elvis Costello, uh, instead of hearing the hit, I want to hear different You'll tracks hear everything. for the record. Okay. Uh, when I first got my Boston album, the very first one, the popular one, well, there's well, there's not a bad song in the album. I mean, they're all yeah. good. They're all 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 the songs got airplay. That's every true. single one. Every, every one because there's only six, seven songs on no, the album. No, but they all were good songs. They weren't there was not a lemon in that batch. Every song yeah. in that album was good. Uh the, when I first got it, it actually I was kind of a latecomer to that. I got that when it was almost a year old. But uh the one song I loved off that one at that time in the late seventies was not getting any airplay. Uh, a track called Something About You. Okay. Great song. Oh, yeah. Very good song. Yeah. I thought it could have been a 45. And uh, speaking about 45s, um, yeah, I mean, I, I just love that stuff. And I'm thinking, if I could run a ra- or work at a radio station, I'll play so many neat songs that 
no one's heard of. And when I went to uh, my first radio station when I was like eight years old, um, I was trying to figure out what, using one turntable how to mix songs together, and I couldn't do it with one turntable. I go to uh, KRSI in uh, uh, St. Louis Park, in fact, and I found out ah, that's how you do it. You got three turntables, so one's playing. You hit the other one before the other song ends, and you can talk like we're doing, you know, on a, a mixing board and go, hi, ah, this is KRSI and all that, and here's the latest by uh, you know the Joe Blow Band and all that. So I'm thinking, I went home and I gathered three turntables together. I got my friends together and said, hey, guess what, guys? We're gonna play radio. And they're like, yeah, whatever. Let's go play baseball. Oh no, we're not. We're gonna we're gonna disc jockey. So. Um, one of my friends really got into it, and me and him ran KDXL for a half a year. So um, that's I was a disc jockey okay. in the neighborhood. And ever since that, I've just been listening to all these records that were never hits. Uh, in fact, when I was in high school, our high school station, um, when disco was big, our program director, when I was in 10th grade, was getting rid of a lot of rock 45s. He said, Stuart, you can take these home. Just don't play it on your show. Yeah, right. Of course I'm going to play them on my show. Because yeah. they're better than disco. Exactly. So I didn't want to keep playing Shaker Groove thing by Peaches and Herb and We Are Family by Sister Sludge. I mean, those songs were okay. I know people like them. But instead, I want to play Don't Be Afraid by Boston. I wanted to play, um, oh, I don't know, um, there was one I'm going to play real soon. Uh, Don't Look Away by Leo Sayer. You know, rock stuff. You know, or Top 40 stuff instead of, uh, you know, whatever the latest disco craze right. was at I that hear. point. All right. So anyway, long-winded here, but I just no, love that's good. hearing... Um, that's good. I, I um, yeah. When I uh, made my drive up here, I drove up here from uh, Florida to Minnesota a couple months ago. And I decided to listen to the collected works, A to Z, of a couple different groups or artists that I've, I'm familiar with. I knew a lot of their hits, but I didn't know every single song. I hadn't listened to everything, so I wanted to listen to everything that they ever did, studio-wise, just because. I just wanted to do it. Sure. Now, one of them is not going to fit what Stu normally does. It was Weird Al Yankovic. I, can, I play him. But, I mean, I listened time to time. from his first album all the way to the last album that he did a few years ago, which I think was a mandatory fun. I think it was the last, uh, I call them albums, you know, the CD, but the last thing he, re- he released and found a lot of songs that I never heard of before that I really liked. Some were, um, some were parodies, some yeah. were stylized parodies, some were originals, but they're all, you know, listenable. And then, um, the other one was easy top. Oh, okay. I was very familiar with their hits and some other deeper things that weren't hits, but I really liked. But I listened to start to finish and wound up pulling about seven or eight songs that I'd never heard of before on their last like four or five albums. I had no yeah. familiarity with like mm-hmm. the album like Antenna or Triple X yeah. and put those on my MP3 player. And they're really, really, really because they, they sound a lot bet more like their first couple albums like Deguayo or El Loco as opposed to the ones that got the most airplay like Afterburner and uh, Eliminator. Those are the biggest albums they have. But these yeah. last few they recorded, you know, a handful of years ago are much closer to the old blues rock that they did on their first album in Rio Grande Mud. Mm-hmm. Great, great stuff. And I just started into the David Bowie collection oh. by the time I reached Minneapolis. So you're going to be going from Bowie's 60s stuff then? Yeah, I've st- I listened to this. The fir- mellow stuff. Yep. I've gotten through his. Uh, I've got through his, his self-titled album, mm-hmm. and through uh, Space Oddity. 
One good song from that's that where period. I got so far. Okay. That's where I've so gone so far. Uh, listen to a song called "In the Heat of the Morning." It's a really great song. Well, I'm going to hear it if it's, it's a, if it's a studio album. I'm going to hear it because I've got all of them. Yeah. I love you till Tuesday. Yep, that was that was the big that was the big song from his first album. Yep. And what was the other one? She's got metals. Okay, you'll hear that one. Yeah, that that would uh, if I heard it, I've heard them all once because oh, "Love You Till, tu- uh, love you till Tuesday" was the big was the was the was the the song that Liza Jane is on there. Yeah, that's be. a good one. But "Space Out," I mean, the the first album was self titled, and the second album, which was called "Space Out," is also self titled, which is kind of confusing. Um, but I, I've gotten through the first couple albums, and I'm not going to start listening again until I start driving back home. But that's my, my next goal. I'll finish the Bowie, and then I've got some other artists and groups I'm going to be compiling for the rest of the journey home. But Good luck uh, with that, too. Thank you. Yeah. But listening to but the uh, ZZ Top was eye-opening. Was I I, I, yeah, with ZZ Top, there was one song um, that I really liked by them. In fact, I heard it on our album rock station back in 1978, I think it was. When I started listening when I was like 14, 15 on a regular basis, I learned a lot from the radio from that station. It was KQ. Uh, I used to work there, people. and um, But that they were a different format. They were all hits at that point. Um, but when they were doing, um, thank you, Alan Stone, uh, who's a Facebook friend of mine, uh, he was playing all this obscure album track stuff. And that's where I learned a lot of bizarre kinky album album rock you know and all that and you know stuff that wasn't played on the regular radio they were playing back then santana fleetwood mac zz top and but 1978 i was um recording um i got my brand new stereo for my birthday then and i threw in a cassette and just listened to that station and they played a lot of interesting stuff that i never heard before from these bands that were already around and established but they didn't have hits so on this one tape they played move me on down the line by zz top from uh, trace homebrace yep. the green album mm-hmm. loved it i'm like why wasn't this a hit this is great yeah, it's a good song uh they played the carpet crawlers by genesis never heard it before never heard of genesis either but you know it was very melodic very strange and then they played um another song that i never heard before by yes called sound chaser okay okay it's eight minutes long but they played a 45 minute a 45 version which was good because you got to edit that song down and it's not bad <laughs> right. you know um so i made my own edit for my show but um i learned a lot from them they played a lot of uh, thin lizzie album tracks and i like hearing album tracks and then when i was uh in ninth grade actually uh, i was in competition with a couple of my other school friends at the time who were getting into like earth wind and fire and um james taylor and uh hard rock black sabbath and aerosmith in fact and one of my friends, uh, I'm sitting in lunch, and he said, oh, by the way, you know what? Earth, Wind, and Fire uh, have three three albums that you're never going to find, but there's one record store in town, I'm going to go get them, and you're not going to have them, Stu. And I'm like, ooh, I, when, when I have a challenge like that, <laughs> challenge accepted. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to find these records. Are they any good? Oh, God, they're better than their popular ones at the time. They had Spirit and All in All, and That's the Way of the World and all that. But they had three before that, which I didn't know. I'm, I, I didn't know the history of Earth, Wind, and Fire. But I was interested because we we're, you know, some of my friends uh, were kind of getting into that funky Top 40 stuff. 
And one another person said, oh, yeah, well, I have a James Taylor record called Walking Man, and Paul McCartney is on there. And I'm not going to tell you where to buy that record because I'm going to get it first. I'm like, ooh, <laughs> like, like he's telling you that there's one copy. <laughs> yeah, like. Yeah. You're going to buy all the copies. <laughs> exactly. And, Only uh, your mom bought all the copies. It was Petula Clark because you kept breaking them. <laughs> That's true. I wanted to buy that James Taylor record and break that, too. No, just kidding. <laughs> but, uh, you know, my dad would take me on the weekends to, like, the Wax Museum, Great American Music, and Orfo Jokopus, and some of the other obscure used record stores that I knew about. And I found all these records for, like, two, three bucks. And then I had a chance at Orfolk in 1978 to buy the first five Frank Zappa records that are worth like lots of money now perfect condition on the original label Verve but I didn't because I didn't know who Frank Zappa was I heard his name and I didn't care for his music you know the kind of hippy dippy stuff but I did buy uh, the three Earth Wind and Fire records I was thinking ha I can tell my friend I've got him and you don't. I found the James Taylor record and thinking, ha, I wonder what how good this one is. I found some early Fleetwood Mac records that I was interested in buying, and I wanted to see what they were like before the Buckingham and Nicks period, and I liked them a lot. Well, I would prefer that stuff over Buckingham and Nicks by Light Years, Peter, Peter Green. Oh, you like Much, that period? Okay. Oh, yeah. There's my no favorite, comparison. Okay, my favorite period is the Bob Welsh period okay. of Fleetwood, but hey, I like all three periods, actually. And, um, you know, it's uh, one of the guys from Minnesota actually put Buckingham and Nicks into Fleetwood Mac. Well, that person should be shot. Oh, uh, yeah. No, uh, <laughs> no, you made a lot of money off this. Keith Olsen, uh, who, who was in the Music Machine, uh, that was a 60s band, the first okay. punk band, actually. And what happened was is that he's a record producer, and he actually produced a guy named Waddy Wechtel, who uh, played with Linda Ronstadt and Jackson Brown and James Taylor. Waddy had a 45 called You're the One, and Buckingham and X, uh, he recruited them to be on his record. That was their very first record. You can find it on YouTube. It's a great song. And then Buckingham and X did their first solo record in 73, and then uh, Fleetwood Mac, uh, or Mick Fleetwood was, uh, they were in California. Bob Welsh, who was in the band, quit the band. A week later, he goes to, I think, Sun City Records or Sun Studios, and Keith is there. And he, uh, Mick Fleetwood wanted uh, to hear, you know, uh, some music that's coming out of that studio. So he's playing uh, some Buckingham and Nick stuff. And he says, hey, you know, we had one guy that left our band. I'd like to meet this these two chaps. And Buckingham and Nick came in the next day and said, I want you to join me, Bond. And they did. That was it. That was it. So uh, Buckingham and Nick didn't have to uh, starve on a second uh, solo record. No, they 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 fell into a pretty good situation. Oh, they got lucky. Yeah, <laughs> so. I'm not a, I'm not a big Fleetwood Mac fan of that genre. I like the the bluesier stuff, the uh, yeah. like oh oh well and things like that. That and Black Magic Woman. That's that's yeah. my more of that Fleetwood Mac. If that's going to pick a period for me, that'd be that. Got a black magic marker. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so woman. I just make up my own thing. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, It's your show. You know what? I did do uh, one of my friends, actually, again, ninth grade again, when everyone was just getting into Stevie Nicks only. Um, I made a list in my science class for uh, one of my friends that sat at my science table. He was into, oh, I love Fleetwood Mac, Stevie Nicks, Stevie Nicks, Stevie Nicks. It's like, so you don't like the group? Oh, Stevie Nicks, Stevie Nicks. So I made a big list of the records that they had that I knew of at the time. I gave them a list. Here's some you could buy. You'll like them all. Oh, is Stevie Nicks on this one? Is Stevie Nicks on that? No, she's only on these two. Oh, he gave it back to me. He goes, I'm not interested. 
Oh, you crumb. I, it took me all of five minutes to make this for you. <laughs> That's so. five minutes I'm never going to get back. Yeah, exactly. I could have listened to DOA. I, yeah, I, or I could have been doing my homework in science class or something and uh, having uh, Pike uh, grade me or something. What's the mass? What's the uh, formula for this? But no. Anyway, um, I hope people uh, are enjoying this. Uh, this is this is bull radio, and that's okay. That's because all right. Sometimes we got to do this, uh, but it is. I don't get a chance to spend time with Dave Levine much anymore because we're in different states. But we do have the love of music, and hopefully, you're learning a few things from from our conversations, which is good. Um, anyway, again, it's again, yeah. it's an exercise in music that we grew up listening to, and some of our influences. What's led us to what we're listening to today? Exactly. Stuart, I'm 55. Stuart's 57. Huh? Freaking huh? I can't hear you're fifty. You're, you're fifty-seven. What? Fifty-seven. Fifty-seven. Martha, turn off the alarm. <laughs> so it's you know uh, there's some things that I listened to when I was younger. I don't. I wouldn't listen to now. Foreigner being one of them. It got overplayed. I got sick of it. I'll listen to it. You'll listen uh, to it when you're in your sixties. Maybe I will. Um, there are certain things that I. I don't reach out for like Boston. Their first album was phenomenal. Their second album is pretty good, uh, but it's not something I have on my MP3 player. I don't reach out and gra- gravitate toward. But I recognize it's still really that first album was a monster. Yes, it that was. first album was an absolute monster. Their second album, Don't second Look Back, was, was pretty good, damn, good pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. The first one was an absolute monster. Um, Foreigner. I mean, I could probably listen to some stuff on their first couple albums off of Double Vision. And off of um, whatever Hot Blood was, I want to say Let I can't remember. Uh, Hot Blood was Double Vision. There was Head Games. There head was Games. A de- thank you. Those, debut. There'd be those. The debut four. Stop at four. That that was no okay. four. No no four. Everything four, kill, four right? Everything four and beyond because four was just it was overplayed. Okay. Urgent and that stuff was oh, too yeah, overplayed. Yeah. That was, so that everything was before that, um, you know, uh, uh, Dirty White Boy and uh, oh goodness. The, 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 I mean, I'll do okay with head games and stuff like that. But, again, it got overplayed, so I don't reach out for it. But there are certain groups I never gravitated to at all, like Ario Ch- uh, Chuckwagon. Chuck and, um, well, I, I can't call them what I want to call them because, well, it's a podcast, but I don't want to swear. So okay. I'm not going to call them what Ario I want to call them. Ario no, Speedwagon? No, it starts with an S. And it, oh, I get it. Yeah, I get it. I get that's, it. that's what they are. I'm, I, there's a some and Bruce Springsteen. I just there are some groups and performers I just never got into. Okay. Maybe it's because they were overly popular at the time, and I was kind of listening to. I was a big fan of Rush, um, from the beginning, from when I first heard them through my brother. I was listening to Deep Purple in uh, from Machine Head from my brother. I was listening to Grand Funk Railroad through listening to KQRS. Yeah. I was listening to Black Sabbath Paranoid from my brother. So I'm listening to these things in elementary school and junior high school when in junior high everyone was really gravitating to stuff that was popular at the time. Right. And Bruce Springsteen was popular with The River, which was a god-awful album. You didn't like River. Horrible. Absolute trash. Ag- Crap. You know, you know what, though? Start the bo- start to finish. Garbage. It'll, okay, I think that would have been good as the original idea. Ties that bind. A single album, but he had to do a lot of acoustic stuff on there, which <sighs> lost me. Uh, and, just, but you're it, not a Springsteen fan. No, I'm not. So, it just, yeah. it, it is, his stuff never appealed to me. Okay. Uh, Ario, uh, Ario Speedwagon, same thing. Their stuff hmm. never appealed to me. At you didn't, all, you didn't like Back on the Road again? No. or Okay, nothing. All no. Right. I no. won't play any REO. No, no, it never, it never did anything for me. Okay. Um, 
Fleetwood Mac, I just I, 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 I the older stuff I like, but the stuff that most people are familiar with, the popular stuff with Buckingham McVie and Nicks, uh, it just never it, it never did anything to me. Just it's just again, certain things struck me, certain things didn't, and that was just yeah. that type of stuff that just didn't. Mm-hmm. I remember a band that I um, really didn't like when I was young, but now you know I. I found their records, and I, I'm kind of liking everything, you know, at least two, three songs off these these records. And the group was, uh, oh, my God, I'm having a senior moment here. No, you're <laughs> oh, 57. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's true. When you get past 55, folks, uh, mm. something happens. Oh, I, I, I know who they are. Uh, Pure Prairie League. Now, okay, sure. I never really, they're not one of my favorites, but you know what? I bought I buy a lot of records right now for the podcast show. I don't buy them for me personally anymore. It's because I know someone's out there that's going to like Pure Prairie League, Fleetwood Mac, Santana, Traffic, uh, Edgar Winter Group, ABBA. And I now realize I, I've got a responsibility. I've got to throw out shows there every, you know, maybe every week, every two weeks. And... You know, I, I definitely want listeners, and I'm glad people are listening all over the world. I hope I don't and offend people that have the, the different musical tastes, okay? So. It's just, you know, if people that are big Bruce Springsteen fans or Fleetwood Mac fans or Foreigner fans or Ario Speedwagon fans, I really have to hold myself <laughs> to not say what I want to say uh, or call them I'm used to calling them. Uh, sorry. I have the, uh, the, the jokes groups, for all the, the groups that I, that I grew up. I, I didn't I didn't get into and there are groups that I used to listen to I don't or, and I was late to the party with the police it took me uh, it took me to Ghost of the Machine which is why Stu played the song he did from Ghost of the uh, from Ghost of the Machine because it took me that album before I appreciated Outlandish Time More Regarded LeBlanc and Zinata Mandata I didn't like them when they first came out when Roxanne came out I didn't like it when the do 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 da 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 came out I didn't like it that stuff, but when Ghost in the Machine came out, that struck a chord with me. Somehow that one, uh, that yeah, one, then that won me you. over and yeah. got me back to listening to the other stuff and really appreciating. Their they only did five studio albums. Mm-hmm. They weren't around too long. No, and they break up and uh, never to be reunited again. I no, guess, they but, they uh, performed on stage once or twice, uh, I think, since then. But the whole thing's, um, they you know. I didn't. I was late to the party with those guys, and but I appreciate them now, and you know I'm glad I went back and listened to it. But there's some groups that just never struck that chord with me. Yeah. There was one record that I bought. Um, this is over 30 years ago when all the records came back in print. The Velvet Underground, Lou Reed's old man. Sure. And I heard about them for a long, long time, but never had a chance to hear their music. One of my old friends, uh, you would know him too, but um, well, I'm not promoting him. Because I don't talk to the guy anymore. Thank you. Um, let's see. But uh, uh, was working at a record store, and he said, uh, "Stuart, you got to listen to this brand new uh, rarities record by the Velvet Underground. It's Lou Reed's old band. Come down to the shop and listen to it." I'm like, "Okay." So I come down and I said, "Well, what's this record all about?" And he says, "It's all recordings from 1969." And at that time, I was actually getting into stuff from 1969. Um, I was having a nostalgic period from from that year in my life. I thought, okay, I'm interested. He plays me the record all the way through, and I loved it. I'm thinking, wow, I like this band. So um, it was supposed to be recordings from their ill-fated fourth album that didn't come out until then. 
And I thought, okay, I'm going to uh, get their earlier records that they had out, you know, in the 60s and very early 70s. So the first record I get is their second record called White Light, White Heat. Um, I, I can tolerate it now, but that record, out of all records that are in this basement, the first time I heard, <laughs> the first time I heard it, it literally made me sick. Really? Ill. Okay. I almost wanted to go to the bathroom and go, ah, I'll tell you why. And it's, I don't, it doesn't do me, do that to me anymore. Okay. I was not used to, um, that type of, that was supposed to be the first heavy metal record ever made. Okay. Because of the uh, guitar work that Lou Reed did. I understand that now, you know, going through all the songs, but there were two songs that I'm just like, it, like DOA, Blood Rock. What in the fork? <laughs> I didn't swear people. No, he didn't. Uh, was Lou Reed thinking or John Cale or whatever. What were you thinking making this song? It was called The Gift. And it's a story about a guy who mails himself to to his girlfriend. And at the end of the song, I hate to say it, the poem or story, the girlfriend kills him when he's still in the, uh, the, the crate. She's trying to open the crate up, and I'm just like, oh, my God. Okay, bathroom time. And then there's another song called Lady Godiva's Operation. I'm sorry. I hate that song wow. with a passion. I don't like the second part of it. And I'm thinking... Oh my God! I don't want to listen to an operation and the drills going and all that. It just did something to my my stomach, and I was like, "I'm returning this record." And I told my friend who I bought it from, I said, "You know that record that I got from you, the VU?" He goes, "Yeah, is it any good?" It's for it, it. It's terrible. It sucks. It's Bruce Springsteen, the way Dave Levine likes Springsteen. He goes, "No, no, no. Just stick with it. Stick with it." I'm just like, "No, I'm gonna return it. I hate it." And then he said, buy another VU record. You'll like them better. I'm like, oh, okay. So I bought their first record, and it was much better. I was like, okay, the Nico record. No problem. I had very, well, there's a few songs that are really not that great off there. They're, that's a hipster record. People, all the hipsters love it. And I got the other records, and I thought, okay, they're not bad. All right, I'll give this White Light record another try. I slowly got into some of the other records, but those two songs, I refused to even sure. drop the needle on. I, um, <laughs> the reason I gave you a thumbs up when you mentioned White Light, White Heat, yeah. now, I, I, I'm not, I haven't listened to a lot of Velvet Underground, but the song White Light, White Heat, David That's Bowie. That's actually a good song. David Bowie yeah, did, do that. did a live version. He did that in different... Uh, I don't know if he. I don't know if he ever recorded it uh, in the studio. Maybe I'll, I'll come Actually, across he it did. with. with yeah. when, maybe I'll come across it in the discography of that I've got. Pinups, I think it was. Could be. Yeah, Absolutely. he did a lot of cover. That was all covers. Yeah, that was a um, cover record. I think that's on there. Um, I'll trust your judgment because okay. you if own not, every record ever made. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, in the Serious Moonlight tour, he does. They do a great version of White Light, White Heat, and Earl. <laughs> Okay. Earl Slick I just absolutely crushes the guitar solo on that song. Mm. And it's one find it on YouTube. Okay. It's awesome. Absolutely awesome. That whole concert's really, really good, but uh and they never released it on a CD and I don't have a DVD. Plus I don't have a DVD player for even if I did, but uh that concert <laughs> is so good. But the White Light White Heat song that version. Now he's done it live. And what David Bowie used to do is he used to reinterpret songs. So when he would do a song from one tour to the next to the next, he would maybe tweak it a little bit. It wouldn't be exactly the same version. So when you saw him do a cracked actor from Sirius Moonlight, it'd be different than if he was doing it uh, 
for a different if he was supporting heathen or whatever later album he may have been touring for whatever so uh I recommend listening to that. So that's why okay. I gave a thumbs up to that song because of the Bowie Live version from Sirius Moonlight Tour. It's tremendous. Mm. He also did, well, from the pinup record, uh, a great version of Don't Bring Me Down by the Pretty Things did that originally. And I like the Pretty Things version. I also like Bowie's version of it, too. Now, um, I was in, uh, this is seven years after Bowie recorded this. It was uh, his hit Moldy Years, Golden Years. Yeah. He recorded it at Cherokee Studios in Los Angeles. And my um, cousin, um, Donna Smith, Donna Stebbitz. Uh, hi, Donna, if you're listening. Hi, Donna. You're, you're, uh, you're famous. Uh, same thing with Mark. Um, Mark is her husband, who was a recording engineer, who recorded with John Cougar Mellencamp, I guess Bob Seger, and uh, a lot of Detroit people. And anyway, but um, she took me to Cherokee Studios in 1983 about February and um, that's all I remember no just kidding um, <laughs> anyway, everything's a blur after that yeah after that it was the great cherries they were passing out yeah. and, uh, anyway but, uh, where was I man you were uh, telling me a story about 1983 uh, I was okay so 1967 was no just kidding 83 at Cherokee Studios Cherokee uh, a lot of people recorded there Candy O by the Cars was recorded there uh, Flo and Eddie recorded there and a lot of people Bowie he recorded the Station to Station record and that had moldy years on there golden years and sometimes I make fun of that called Golden Grams the cereal <laughs> Golden Grams gold. I could see Bowie doing a commercial for Golden Grams but I could. anyway Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. When he had Pepsi, when he had Pepsi sponsoring his tour, the Serious Moonlight tour, that was enough because okay. that was bad. So you couldn't see him sitting down to dunk uh, milk no. and golden grams and eating no. it in his outfit. Okay. No, neither could I. Okay, no, just in my head. Yes. Okay. Yeah, and yeah, that's big too. Anyway, uh, but I wa- I was uh, doing a tour of Cherokee Studios, and there was like the main record. There was like three little recording studios. And the main one was where the instruments, you know, were set up and they, uh, you know, record the instruments and maybe a vocal or something. So anyway, I'm, it looks like a gym, a, a little mini gymnasium that you'd see in a small older school. So anyway, I'm sitting there or standing in this big studio. No one was recording there. Randy Van Warmer, he had one hit in the late 70s, early 80s, and he was mixing his uh, third album there, and I could hear the drum tracks in the control booth. But I'm just standing in this big, you know, um, uh, gymnasium type thing. And I'm thinking, I wonder how many people recorded records here. I didn't know at the time until after I got back and looked at Cherokee Studios, thinking, oh my God, Chief Trick was here. The cars, I could have been stepping on Rick Ocasek five years before doing, uh, you know, it's my party, okay, come or and all that stuff. It, don't tell me no by cars right. um, from Zapplerama. Anyway, but uh, I found out later, uh, in October 75, Bowie was somewhere in that room doing his vocals in his band, uh, recording Station to Station, which was, um, uh, you know, Golden Years was on there, and I can't think of the other ones off there, but it was a good good album, actually. TV, 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 TVC15 is on that. That's it. And and the title track was good. And I'm thinking, I stood in that actual room where Golden Years was, and I remember hearing that on the radio when I was a kid, and here it is right where it was recorded. I thought I, I felt so special. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's. Um, I don't have. I don't have that. I wish I did. 
Um, I've been I'll outside. Buy you a copy. No, no, I mean, no, not that. I meant, okay. I didn't mean the album. I meant, I don't have that type of story. I wish I, I wish I did. And it's not like a, I'm not trying to do a, can you top this? Because. No, just tell me what, whatever you want. Um, I think people like this. I visited Liverpool and London uh, December 2018, and I was able to, uh, in London, take a picture outside of Abbey Road Studios, and in Liverpool, um, take pictures in front of uh, John Lennon, one of John Lennon's uh, childhood homes in Paul McCartney's house and whatever as part of a tour, but... Um, Stan, I I would love to have stood in a recording studio where mm. some famous albums were recorded, stuff like that. I mean, the Abbey Road isn't available for tours; they don't allow people inside. Bummer. Uh, I'd love to go there if I could. Oh, I would too. <laughs> yep. Um I didn't find out until after the fact that uh, you can you could. I mean, it's you can't now because of the COVID, but hopefully you can again. Uh, McCartney's house is part of the National Trust, oh. so they sell tour guided tours. If I'd known that, I would have taken the guided tour. I mean, I was there for God's sake. <laughs> I saw some of your pictures there, and you were you were at different places. I'm thinking, oh, if only I could have gone with you where where you went. And I want to go back. I want to live there. I want to move there. I want to move to England. Okay. I want to move there. I'm sorry, Jolly I do. Jolly good England, uh, you know. I I mean, I know people there, and I remember. Um, I told my friend Joe Mullen from Badfinger this, and he was going, I was driving him to the airport, the Minneapolis airport, so he could go, he was going to do a job out there, you know, a gig or something, and I said, if only I had enough money to go with you, and he says, well, yeah, Stuart, you could. I'm like, yeah, but it's, what, what about a thousand bucks to go there, airplane ticket across the big pond, and I said, when I was in 12th grade, I did want to go there to England to record shop for one album. Straight up by Badfinger, an import or a UK version of one of your records. He goes, oh, how come you don't like the Americans? I said, it's it's. Uh, I want a UK copy of it. I just wanted a British copy of that one record. And you know, I I would go there to do a record shop. Oh yeah, I, 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 I'm sure I I yeah. can't speak oh. for what's out there. I would in terms of secondhand shops, but, shop, it, but I'm sure I'm sure it's got to still be. They still have to have them around. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, if I can ever make it to to uh, the UK, England, if I go anywhere, like um, I would love to. Let's say, um, yeah. Well, you say, love the music. You would to, you would um, you would want to be there for months and months, so you could go to every take every tour you could and go to mm-hmm. every available. You know, place where this studio used to be, or this office used to be, or this. Love to play. take tours. Oh, absolutely! Yeah. You would. I mean, you you would appreciate it much more than I would. I'm a big Beatles fan. You, you're being a larger music fan than I am overall. You would. You would. I love it. You would. You would. You would. You you would love it. And you know, we got a lot of listeners in England too, Southampton, and uh, Middlesex, Liverpool, and a lot of other cities listen to the show. So the people in in those local areas probably know what I'm talking about, or what we're talking about. You've been there, I haven't, but I want to be. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's not that I would go there just to buy the records. I would love. No, to No, you're just the less experience. Yeah. I took a guy. Uh, it was like a small van rock tour. It was like 15 to 20 people in London, and the tour guide um, claims that he was part of the. He was a, a friend of Queen's when they were recording, oh. and he and some of their friends were the ones that were doing like the hand claps and some of the records that they did. I want to say like "We Will Rock You" or whatever. There's hand claps or some. 
people doing something in mm-hmm. the studio. That was him and his friends, and he had, he had all these pictures and stuff like that. And he would take us by. This is where see those steps. That's where Carly Simon had the picture taken for the cover picture, whatever album. Anticipation. Yeah, um, this building used to be where Swan Song Records was, oh. and this house is Peter uh, is Jimmy Page's house. It's right next to Robbie Williams, who was. Uh, when I say take that, it was a British uh, boy band, and they've they've had a war for years about <laughs> um, digging a pool. And Robbie Williams wanted to dig a pool in the backyard, and Jimmy Page filed an injunction with uh, the count, the city or whatever, <laughs> just all sorts of stuff like that. All these background stories, and uh, we stopped off for lunch at Bill Wyman's Sticky Fingers Restaurant because. That was just a place, and they had gold records and all these different things inside. And I mean, just it was it was like Amazing a whirlwind stuff. tour, because yeah. it's like you know down here is so and so, and Jimi Hendrix st- stayed here, and Nilsson I think died or whatever, didn't you know they, you know stuff like that. And it's just you know, and we're seeing these things, and we're driving past them, and maybe we get a chance to take a picture from the side of the coach or whatever. And but just the only places we stopped were Abbey Road Studios and at Freddie Mercury's estate. Mm. This happened, the, the tour was in December 2018. It was just after the movie Bohemian Rhapsody had come out. So that was a big, big thing going on still. And he left that estate to Mary. So, and people sl- were still sliding letters oh. to under the door to Freddie, to Mary, you know, for years and years and years and years. And, and she's got like an underground entrance and exit. She doesn't leave the property outside. Because she oh, gets okay. bothered by everybody, so because yeah. there are people that are always outside there, mm-hmm. so she goes underground to get in and out and whatever like that. But it's just you know hearing these stories was just wonderful, and I'd love to have taken more of these tours and heard more stories from different perspectives, and do more of the stuff I saw in Liverpool and other parts of the country that have got rock and roll history. I would just exactly. love it, and then go to Ireland again. And, oh, I and want to visit, go there too. And visit, you know, where you know where, you know, maybe U two has got stuff, or other people that are Irish recording artists that does that, and they go to Scotland do the same thing. Just mm-hmm. I want to do that. My tour would be if I went around the UK and I could spend a month there. Oh, I could spend. Or, I, I would spend. I want. I I could. We could do years there. Okay. I I probably would never be able to get back to the states because I'd spend all my money on records and all that. But I would like to hop to. Um, uh, okay, England. I'd start there first. Yeah, I this is just my record shopping tour. Um, I would love to see old castles too. I love that stuff too. Um, now if I'm gonna buy authentic uh, records that never by groups and artists that never came to the United States, you know, just great local people, I would love to hop to England, hop to Ireland. I don't care if it's the traditional uh, records from their country. I, basically, I'm looking for old rock and roll. If they can be old, scratchy records. I don't care. They're rare. I want them. Um, I, I know I could go to like uh, YouTube or not. You, yeah, YouTube and uh, eBay, and I've done done a lot of that. But um, I'd love to have the physical records. Then I'd hop down to Germany because and just stay there for a couple days. Find two, three record stores. Go there, and then I'd hop to the next place because they have some good um, uh, pressing records in Germany, and I would love to, you know, and 
yeah, if you brought them back like Zeppelin records and sell them on eBay for a hundred bucks, but I would love to keep them because my German records are really good quality records. <laughs> I would love to go to Spain because um, I want to meet some people out there and I want to see what was out there in their markets too, and then go to France and then uh, where else? Netherlands, I guess. There but I'd go. like to go all over the place and it's a quick hop, I guess, by plane ride or whatever, and just take the big tour. But I've got to earn. I got to be a multimillionaire, so I'm hoping. Yeah. To win the lottery. It's not going to happen for me because I'm tapped out. I, uh, I, I've already given them everything I got to, to be called a legend, so I, okay. I'm sorry. That's I, I maxed out. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, but, um, no, just kidding. Um, but, yeah, I would love to go there and move. Uh, I would love to shop in Japan, too. In Australia, I'm finding. Oh, I want to go. I want to visit Australia too. Stuff out there, down there too. Yep. So, um, hey, have you heard a band called Zoot? I've not. You have okay. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about it, plus the audience too. Uh, they're an Australian band that um, had uh, B. Brittles, B. Brittles uh, from the Little River Band, bass player from that band. Um, Rick Brewer, the legendary drummer Rick Brewer, uh, who played in uh, some other Australian bands after Zoot, and their uh, lead singer, which happened to be, of all people, Rick Springfield. Huh, okay. And Rick was... He was rocking in this this Zoot band, and I'll make a small plug. Everybody, go buy some Zoot records because they're very hard rock, rock and roll. You want kind of early metal from Australia? Buy their records. So what year? What years are we talking about? Early seventies, about okay. nineteen seventy to seventy-two. Oh wow, roughly. All right. And I have one forty-five that I play a lot, but um, you know, I, I'm giving it a rest right now. But I'm going to start playing some other stuff uh, by Zoot. Actually, I'm pre on, on newer shows. They were a great band. They really were, and they did reunite about a year ago. All all four. I think one guy died from the uh, original lineup, but uh, three of them reunited. And I got that from Rick Brewer, Facebook, and all that. So, uh, but uh, yeah, so uh, that's a good band to you know check out on YouTube. And oh, check their version of Eleanor Rigby. They okay. did a rock version of the Beatles' Eleanor Rigby. You'll like it. All right. Unless you want to listen to my show. Oh, that's right. You're on it anyway. So, I'm on this one. I'm not on all of them. Okay, but you should be. I should be. It's a Dave Levine show. Stuart Held, well, we kicked him out of the basement. <laughs> yeah, I've taken <laughs> so, over the basement. Yeah. Well, you can move it to the second floor then. All right, fair or enough. This, yeah, second second tier. Here. Um, that's where maintenance men live. I've, I'm not living with the maintenance no. no, you don't have to take the, take over their bedrooms oh, or anything. Oh, okay. No, no, no. Uh, just uh, kick them out too. Throw them out the window. Anyway. Um, <laughs> How strong well, do you think I am? Um, I, I'll help you. I'll hold them. You oh, them. oh, in that case, uh, you got a deal. Okay, no problem. <laughs> so, all right. So, what are we now? We have we have uh, gibbered and jabbered. Hold so on, I'm going to stand for a minute. Okay, here. we've gibbered and jabbered, and and Stuart's going to do uh, some isometric exercises. Yeah. So I just um, got to find something I dropped on the floor. We he and I have discussed about songs that we're going to be playing, and we have played in in the uh, course of this of this sh- these shows. Yeah. Did you um, did you see what? Maybe not. I guess not. No, unless you put it in the tape player. But okay. I'm not sure what you what you have uh, queued up next. Okay. For well, us, this won't be next. It's on a cassette, but I promised you I would uh, play it for you. Okay. Yeah. Back to the show, I guess. But this is okay. Um. Here we go with um, something that we both liked when we were kids. It was done in the 1940s, I guess. It's a novelty song, and it was um, back to a hit again uh, in 1975. It's a guy named Benny Bell 
And if you need to shave, shave to this song, guys, okay? And this is a song called, of all things, Benny Bell and Shaving Cream. I have a sad story to tell you. It may hurt your feelings a bit. Last night when I walked into my bathroom, I stepped in a big pile of shaving cream. Be nice and clean. Shave every day and you'll always look keen. I think I'll break off with my girlfriend. Her antics are queer, I'll admit. Each time I say, darling, I love you, she tells me that I'm full of shaving cream. Be nice and clean, shave every day and you'll always look keen. Our baby fell out of the window. You think that her head would be split. But good luck was with her that morning. She fell in a barrel of shaving cream. Be nice and clean. Shave every day and you'll always look keen. An old lady died in a bathtub. She died from a terrible fit. In order to fulfill her wishes, she was buried in six feet of shaving cream. Be nice and clean, shave every day and you'll always look keen. When I was in France with the army, one day I looked into my kit. I thought I would find me a sandwich, but the darn thing was loaded with shaving cream. Be nice and clean, shave every day and you'll always look king. And now, folks, my story is ended. I think it is time I should quit. If any of you feel offended, stick your head in a barrel of shaving cream. Be nice and clean, shave every day and you'll always look keen.
listening to songs from the basement, and we're going back to the basement. I mean, wait a minute. We're going back to 1980 for the, from the No Ballads record by a band called The Rockets and a song called Desiree. No, uh, Desire. I know. I'm just having a, an old man moment here. Uh, one of our favorites um, that we played, well, I played it back um, uh, at KDXL in the spring of 1980. We tried that song. Didn't quite make it as a hit, but uh, The Rockets were known. We mentioned this band before, Fleetwood Mac. They did a cover of Oh Well by Fleetwood Mac, and they had a fairly good-sized hit with it in oh, 1979. Really? But this was their um, uh, third record. Uh, did you know the Rockets were um, actually a band in the 1960s? They were the um, uh, Mitch Ryder in the Detroit Wheels. That was their original name? Or one yeah. of the names they went? They Because a lot of these bands had more than one original name. Obviously, yep. they were the Detroit Reels or Reels Wheels. About three of the guys. Then when that broke up, they um, did a record called The Rockets. And one of the guys on the first Rockets record was uh, Danny Witten, who played with Neil Young. Okay. And Crazy Horse, and then he died after that, uh, right after uh, the first record came out. But they uh, continued to uh, make two, three more records in the early '80s, and that's uh, one of the tracks from the No Ballads record, their 1980 record. Uh, one before that um, was um, uh, Dusty Springfield in a song called Sweet Ride from the movie soundtrack Sweet Ride. And one of the uh, people in that movie was Bob Denver from Gilligan's Island. Okay. And Dobie Gillis. All right. Gilligan, little buddy. And then the one before that was YouTube Wire from the Unforgettable Fire record. Dave uh, told me to play it, you know. Did not tell him. Okay, not you tell suggested him. it. Suggested, because we were talking about, again, influential songs. And that um, U2 was a group that I was unfamiliar with until working at WMMR Radio at the U of M. And that album came out in 83 or 84, I want to say. And um, I was at 84, because uh, was, it was... a uh, Live Aid. Fall 84. I think Fall 84, because Live Aid was in 85, and they yeah, played stuff old. off that, so that's when they really, really went global. But um, Viral. Yeah, they went huge. Uh, they they uh, That album got me to listen to uh, Boy in October, and they also had a live album around the same time called Under a Blood Red Sky, and they had a live album, uh, Red Rocks, and their stuff was great, and... That song was was the song we played on campus, but it wasn't the biggest hits that came off that album. The song, the tribute song to Martin Luther King, uh, Pride in the Name of Love, was the big song that, the that big came off, off of, of that record. record. Yep. We played Wire. Wire's good. Wire's a really, really good track. And so, again, that was, if you're looking for an influential thing for that reason, that's why I suggested it to Stu, is because that was an influential song from my college period because it got me to appreciate their older stuff but then i after uh rattle and hum i really lost interest because act tongue baby and and uh zoo and all those other things i just it got overplayed and over commercialized in my opinion i didn't get into that stuff certain certain groups same way like the first few albums of uh of pearl jam big oh. big fan of but after no, starting with no code, and after that, didn't do anything for me for some reason. It's just it didn't it didn't strike the same nerve. But U two, that was the song 
and that album that got me to start looking back at their earlier stuff. You know, I never heard Wire before until this, and I actually liked it. Um, and, you know, I don't really have... Do I have any YouTube al- albums in here? I don't believe I do, so I have to get a few for all the YouTube... Uh, YouTube? YouTube? YouTube. I'm saying YouTube, sorry. Uh, it's getting late in the day, um, but that's okay. Uh, you know, I, I need some YouTube albums, and you know what, though? Here's... here's now you turn me on to this wire song. I I have not heard that one okay. before, and I thought I heard almost everything. But there's a lot of stuff I've never heard. And U2 was a band that I don't mind, but I don't have. I didn't uh, go buy their albums. They reminded me of REM, which I don't have much by them either, except for maybe one record or so. Um, now my train of thought just uh, derailed here. Oh yeah. Um, a band like U2 or maybe R.E.M. or even uh, Molly Hatchet, I'll, I'll mention them, I'm kind of playing catch-up here because there are a lot of bands that I'm playing catch-up to that I wasn't really into when they were, like, riding high and all that. Uh, U2 was one of them. A lot of my friends liked them, right when, you know, Unforgettable Fire and Made in America and uh, Joshua Tree, you know, they said, oh, Stu, you got to have the Joshua Tree. Eh, I don't know. I, I hear it all the time. It's overplayed, blah, blah, blah. Oh, come on, man. You got to buy it for the hits. That's why I don't want to buy yeah, the darn record. Exactly. I, I hear it enough. And I was working at a, a, you know, a classic rock station at the time, so I was hearing the three songs that they were playing every single day when I was there. I was tired of them. Now, um, uh, I was going to say now I'm trying to catch up with uh, some older groups that are still putting out records. Molly Hatcher comes to mind because now I got uh, Basement Metal running. And I have to find more records by the, the harder rock metal bands. And whatever I don't have, I have to get because I figure my audience will probably like to hear uh, later ACDC, later Molly Hatchet. And I'm realizing while I buy these records and I'm dropping the needle on the songs, think, thinking, okay, what do I want to play for these? Because no one plays this stuff. Not even the, the last three ACDC records. And I'm thinking, wow, there's a lot of good stuff. I think people would, would buy these CDs or records if they heard them. That's why I, I go and do the later records by Molly Hatchet and AC. I'm just picking on those two bands, at least for the metal show. So someone else will hear it and say, wow, man, they're rocking more than their common period. Yeah, I, I'm finding that I'm, I'm compiling ACDC's uh, studio uh, albums right now. And other than the hits that I'm familiar with from Highway to Hell and Dirty Deeds and High Voltage and things like that, there are a lot of really, 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 really good songs that never got airplay on these yeah. on these records, like off of Fly on the Wall and Flick of the Switch that I never heard before. These exactly. are really good, really good stuff here. So you have been listening to Basement Metal. That, I, I play album tracks. Yeah, right? it's really good stuff. No, that's and, what I do. It's it's playing all the stuff that you don't hear unless there's a reason for me to play Hell's Bells or Shook Me All Night Long. I leave it to all the regular radio stations to play the ACDC hits, picking on them or Molly Hatchet or Boston. You know, I, I'm not really going to play Long Time or uh, Don't Look Back. Unless I really want to, you know, I can play all hits all the time. I got it probably every hit here, but I figure there are people that are tuning into this show for a, a an actual reason, a yeah, purpose. different perspective. Yeah, get a different perspective of these bands. And the thing is, I want to help record sales. I'm trying to help the record labels sell your old records because if I play "Don't Look Back" by Boston, 
the title track, people are just going to go, huh, I've heard this a thousand times. But if I play like another song from that record, like A Man I'll Never Be or Feeling Satisfied. Feeling Satisfied is a great song. Yeah. Or Don't Be Afraid. People will say, wow, I've never heard that Boston thing before. I like it. Feeling Satisfied it is my favorite song on that album. It's a great song. It's a great, there, it's yeah. a great track. Yeah, and there's other, I mean, uh, there's other bands and groups like, um, you know, um, people know about ACDC's, uh, you know, the later ones like uh, Stiff Upper Lip and Rock Heart or rock, um, uh, the Ice one. I can't remember. Black Ice? Black Ice, that's it. And I try to play four or five songs from them on the metal show so people can hear that stuff instead of playing Dirty Deeds or I do play other tracks when they're earlier in the mid uh, ACDC records. I figure I owe the fans to that because they're tuning in. They got to hear metal. They want to hear Def Leppard, ACDC, all that stuff, and then other obscure bands too. Um, but you know, for Def Leppard, I don't want to play "Bringing on the Heartache" and "Rocket" and pour some salt on me or anything because people know those stuff. Right. And I'm trying to. I've already established I'm the the kinky cur- uh, person playing all the kinky music. Uh, unfamiliar is what it really is. Uh, that's just what we called that back in my early radio days. Oh, you don't want to play that kinky music, do you? And I never yeah, you're knew it. Under, under publicized and the exactly. stuff. I mean, it, it's it's worth listening to. And and a lot of these things are. It's nice to get some. Exp- the U2 stuff that uh, the first few albums that people know would be like Sunday Bloody Sunday and New Year's Day and Gloria. Um, Bad is a wonderful song. It's a long one, which may not, it probably didn't get a lot of radio airplay because it's a long track, but it's a really, really good song. Oh, yeah. And the version that they did uh, at Live Aid is what is really the song that their signature moment of that of that. Uh, their set of their set at 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 live aid um was was bad but not bad not not (laughs) bad in the description bad the song it was bad um so bad it's good um, yeah just i mean that again the older stuff that when they were not i say scuffling and struggling but when they were first when they were finding themselves was a lot more raw and energetic when they got really big and popular for some reason I thought the stuff they put out after that was more commercial, and it just didn't appeal to me. And again, it could just be my own filter. But um, Achtung Baby and the stuff like that around that era just didn't do it for me like the older stuff did. It's just again, it's just the the it just it just didn't hit me the same way. It did like It's a Beautiful Day in uh, Mysterious Ways, but I don't know a lot of the other tracks that they did from those other later yeah, records. Yeah, one, one got, I mean, one got overplayed. The yeah. song One got overplayed and overplayed oh, I never, and overplayed. You so. know what's strange? I don't know that song. I never you heard would, it before. You would have heard it. I probably you, have. It, like, oh, yeah, And And um, um, uh, Vertigo, because it was part of like an Apple iPad, iPod Campaign was when when that came out. So you 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 would have familiar you you would have heard them through osmosis. It's not something you would have heard, but you'd you'd be familiar with. You say, oh yeah, I've heard that song because okay. I think one was used in like a Volkswagen commercial, possibly. So you would have heard them somehow. Okay, I would just have to pay more attention to them. It's like hey, a perfect example: Steel Wheels by the Stones. Yes, I've only first heard... CD I ever bought. Oh okay. I don't know anything off that record oh. except for Mixed Emotions. Mixed Emotions is a good song. Hold On to Your Hat is a great track off that off okay. that disc. Okay. Uh, it's a great track off that disc. I, 
Yeah, I don't know why I don't like mixed emotions. I just because it like was the it was a single and it was overplayed. Rock and, a rock and a hard place, I guess I heard, and I didn't care for that. But you know what? That doesn't mean the record is bad. I'll bet you there's no. There's, there, there, hear, there, hear there's some good tracks on that song. On that, and I have again when I bought my first ever D, uh, CD player, yeah. I was allowed to pick one free CD. That's yeah. the one I picked because it had just come out. Wheels. Okay, Steel Wheels, Steins. I gotta get. That's another band I've got to get all their later ones uh, from. Um, yeah, the Stones. Dirty Work is a great. Dirty Work dirty is good. Dirty Work is really good. People album. hated that record when it came out. I and thought I it was liked great. It. I, I, yep. I I thought that I thought that that Undercover I thought was a great great one of theirs, and Dirty Work I think is a really really good album. People went Gaga over uh, Undercover when it first came out. Three years later, when Dirty Work comes out, oh that last record Undercover that one sucks. I, I, I'm thinking, are you kidding? You're the one who said, oh it's an excellent album. Get it, you know? No, I. But Dirty I, Work I thought was decent. I liked you know, it. I yeah. did like that a lot. But Steel Wheels, there's, there are some tracks you will like. I guarantee it. In fact, at WMMR, we played Fight and One Hit to the Body yep. on my show with my old partner. Um, but yeah, we were we were doing that. Oh, you know another uh, record that was very, very good, and it was so under, underrated. Uh-oh. Here we go Don't again. break stuff. Okay. Well, right. Stuart would be pissed off if you break his studio. I know. I, I will be pissed off if I break my studio. Um, but uh, one record that we played at WMMR was Balance of Power by the Electric Light Orchestra. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean... I'm I, not I, sure I what came off of it, but I'm... No hits. All none, right. But it was a great record. It sounded like older ELO from, like, the New World's record face to music, El Dorado, right. uh, maybe out of the blue period. But it was a good record. It sounded modern, but it sounded more... ELO-ish. It, it wasn't like the Time record or anything like that, thank goodness. Uh, I thought Time was a piece of crap. But, uh, that's the only album I can't get into by ELO. I'm sorry. And I like the band. They're not great, but I like them. Um, but Balance of Power, me and my old partner, he was more into it than I was. And we played, I think, every track off that record on each show we did in early 86. That's cool. And then he said, oh, my next uh, favorite record now after ELO is Dirty Work, The Stones. You got to get this record. We're going to play a track from it. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. So um, anyway, but yeah, we were ready to play another one. But then we got kicked off the air in June of 86 by that JB person that uh, kicked everyone else off the air so she could put her own people in there. We won't go into politics, but it's a funny story now, but it wasn't at the time. <laughs> I think you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, Small kid glasses that yeah. kicked everyone off the air. Yes, yes, and yes, she yes. kicked all of us out of there. That yeah, because, well, because we had elections every year for who was going to be the station manager and the GM. She took it over. And they took over. And They didn't. They weren't elected. They just said, no, we're in charge now. No, they, 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 the, the person that let him do it was and then there was like a real huge division inside the yeah. radio station. Unfortunately, it was an atmosphere that completely changed. I mean, we yeah. we had a lot of people that were. When I got when I first got there in '83, I was mentored. There were a couple people that were there in sports that had been there for several years. I mean, they were still college students, brother, but they had been there five six years. Mm-hmm. But they kind of brought us along and showed us the ropes. And they didn't care that we were had similar interests in doing play-by-play and, and doing DJ things or whatever because they knew that the station needed people. And eventually they're going to be moving on and they need people behind them. But mm-hmm. some people said, it's, you know, it's my time now. Mm-hmm. I've been held back too long and that's, you know, and that, yeah. you know, it's, they were very extraordinarily selfish. They weren't trying to continue 
the uh, the whole of the entity, they were in it for themselves. Yeah, they they were, and I know a little more about that. We can talk about it now because I don't care, and the station's not around anymore. There were a lot of very famous people on WMMR. Garrison Keeler was even a disc jockey on that on that station. Jim Lang used to be the biggest name of a person that had been a previous person from the dating game. He was oh, like a yeah. previous alumni. Yep, that was the biggest name that when I was there that they would always tout. They, yeah, he he was there. Um, not Larry King, but uh, I don't know why I thought of Larry King. Um, but there were a few other people around here, the Twin City area, that made it. And then there was that Stuart Held guy that was... No, just kidding. I did do a show very similar to Songs in the Basement, actually, but it was called something else, the, the Blank and Held show. But um, it was a lot of fun, though. I had a lot of good times. But um, what happened was is that when um, the old program directors uh, left in January 86, that left a vacuum open for those other bad people to come in a half year later. And I remember our engineer, Archie, um, Mr. 1974, that's what he looked like. And there was a conversation that I had with him about, you know, the, the, the people that left in January 86. And he said, when I heard that that person left, I bounced into work. And that was the way he said it. And I thought it was the silliest thing he ever said. It was funny, but it was, I, I, I know what he was talking about. He bounced into work. And here it is, I have in my head, him as a little ball going boing, boing down the street to WMMR. And uh, he said, now that leaves elections open. That might be problems down the road. And I'm like, okay. And I told him, hey, I'm not running for anything for another year because I plan to be there four or five years. And, you know, I was just like, I hey, I'm just glad to be here. I'm, I'm glad to have a Sunday night show. I won't make any waves for another year or two until I feel, hey, I want to be the MD. Um, but then again, um, okay, so we were kicked off the air in June of 86. And then a year later, in April of 87, I got a, a phone call from God knows who, I don't remember the, whoever it was. But hi, this is, a, let's just name a, a, a Dan Johnson. Okay, hi Dan, how are you? Hi, yeah, Stuart, I'm sorry to uh, get a hold of you, but do you want to come back to WMMR? I said, um, I was supposed to be there in June of 86. I was kicked off. He goes, well, we had a lot of problems the last eight months, and we're calling everyone who was basically kicked off and thrown out of there by their you-know-whats, and we're just trying to see if anyone wants to come back and do a show because I said, are the current administration who kicked me out of there gone? They said, oh, they're long gone. You can come back. They we're, We want everyone to come back that they did not like. And I said, my my mission is not finished at WMMR. Of course I want to come back. They said, you want a show? I said, yes, Sunday afternoons or nights, whatever. I missed that station. I still miss it. If I could win the lottery and build a new house and a new basement, I will make it WMMR-ish. I really miss that place, to be honest with you. Um, but anyway, I said, you bet I want to come back. When do I start? They said, next Sunday. I'll be there. I was there for two more months. And while I'm there, my first time I brought it home, I'll show this to you if I can find it. Uh, there was a, a four-page note about one of those bad people trying to apologize to everybody. I'm sorry that maybe none of us got along for eight months, but instead of shutting you down and saying no to every idea everyone had, I just hope we can be friends after this. I'm just, I'm reading this. I'm just like, oh boy, you guys got your butts burned, didn't you? Yeah, they, they, <laughs> so. they, they really wouldn't have had a really good future in politics because no. they... 
No, it was it was it was contentious, but you had you had a bunch of twenty somethings that were trying to find themselves in the world, and unfortunately, made their mark. Yeah, and they left it on the floor. Yeah, they did, and they they burned it to the ground, and yeah. and and you, you for those people who are. Remember going to high school or college, you had your cliques and you had your groups, you had your power trips and your power struggles. If you were members of uh, clubs like fraternities or sororities or anything like that, especially in the high school or college years, you, if you get any sort of authority when you felt you've been down and you all of a sudden are in a position of authority, you're going to take advantage of it and you're going to take advantage of people. And that's what these people did, unfortunately. Yes, yes. I remember becoming program director of our high school station in uh, June 79 when all the seniors left. And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, my God. You know, um, I wanted to be the PD. And I told the last PD that I think I would be the most well-rounded person. And they said, no, I don't want to put you with that because you haven't shown me that you can take charge of anything. I'm like, are you kidding? I haven't had a chance to take charge of crap. I'm just a disc jockey here, but someone's got to run this place. And I told them, you know, I had older siblings that basically created this damn station and, uh, sorry, darn station in the mid-70s. And, uh, yeah, I think I know what I'm talking about. Plus, I was the first music director at KDXL, and I'll tell you why. My older brother, who worked there uh, and practically got it together, the, the first wave, well, second wave, he would steal my 45s. Two weeks <laughs> later... I would see my 45s on my bedroom floor with shoe prints on them, mud prints, broken, Q-burn and all that. Q-burn is when you start a song and you hear, <laughs> you know, right at the beginning of the song. And so I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm the first MD because he's taking my records to the high school and using them, you know, for music. So, and he, and I gave him no permission. I didn't know what the heck he was, uh, you know, taking my records for and i found out five years later ah okay i see i see now um but anyway um so uh, the the pd at the time and uh oh you're hearing maintenance man okay yeah he's uh working on a project in the other room sounds like he's losing yeah, oh he definitely is <laughs> so okay. Sorry. um and no that's fine um uh, anyway but the uh pd at the time told me well the reason why i'm not going to put you as um you know charge of this station i need a music director oh i didn't even know that he says you know about kinky music you know about hits and all that how about being the music director you're second in charge and the thing is there's a lot of decisions that that the pd can't make without you i'm like oh yeah put me as an md okay i said i accept he said okay you're md okay no problem so, uh, which was true because uh, our program director that I worked with, a guy named Jed, um, that's his middle name. Uh, so, Jed and I are running KDXL from June 79 to February of 80. He quits the station because he can't run a station and have a girlfriend at the same time. So, I'm coming down between one of my classes and I see him leaving. I'm like, Where are you going, Jed? Oh, by the way, you're, uh, you, you want to be the PD of KDXL? Uh, yeah, I would like to, but aren't you? He goes, oh, I'm quitting right now. And he said, I can't be PD and have a girlfriend at the same time. Uh, she, she I'd rather be with her than, uh, run this, this, this station. 
okay, I didn't know he was having problems. He wanted to play God, and everyone was saying, yeah, screw you, Jed, you know. And then all of a sudden, he throws me the keys to the station. I'm like, woohoo, I'm MD, MPD. All of a sudden, our advisor, who was a teacher, a guy named Pete Peterson, comes in and he goes, what's going on? I said, oh, um, nothing really. He goes, where's Jed going? And I said, I think he's uh, actually, he's left the station. Oh, no, he can't do that. And I said, well, yes, he can. Oh, yes, he can. And I said, I guess I'm running the station. And, oh, Pete went, oh, no, you can't do that. And I said, why not, Pete? Someone has to run it. So I had to do two things. And then, of course, I realized right then and there, everyone's running to me. Stu, this isn't working. What are you going to do about that? That guy is picking on me. How come he's playing an unfamiliar song? And I'm just like, oh, good God. No wonder I didn't want to have this job. But I was like, okay, we're calling a meeting. And when I said I'm PD, four other kids said, oh, no, you're not. I'm PD. Who died made you king? And I came down. Well, Jed and, did. <laughs> yeah, Jed did. I'm, I'm running the station now. Yeah. Oh, no, you're not. I'm going to run it. And I'm going to run it my way. And this, that, little, 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 little. And you're not going to do anything except your job. I said, yeah, right. Try it. I'm PD and that's it. Or whatever. And I said, look, guys, you're not. I'm not going to play God with you. Just do what you do. And... I need you, Bob, to be promotions uh, director. I need you, so-and-so, to be sports director. I need Howard here to be a PSA director. Just do what you do, but we'll meet up a little more. And st- I'm not going to sit there and say, you, I don't want you to do that. You, I don't want you to do this. You, you're going to do that. You, you're going to, you know, uh, go clean the carpet. You, you know, you know, go feed the dog or whatever. I'm not going to play the station like that. And eventually, you know, it got to me after two weeks. I quit for about four or five days. I didn't go around the station. That Friday, uh, Febu- late February of 80, I came in to get my stuff. And everyone's saying, oh, come on, Stu, don't quit. We, You know, the station isn't anything without you. I said, yeah, but you guys want to run the station? I don't give a, you know what, I don't give a fruit loop about the station. You guys want to run it? You do what you want. Oh, come on. I was like, okay, fine, I'll come back. And then we had our second anniversary party that was being planned. And from that point on, everything was great. And the, oh, although we had one guy that came in and, well, he came in. He was part of the station. He all of a sudden in April of 80 decided he was going to be the PD, uh, the new Andy, actually, what we had before. And he was saying, oh, yeah, you think we're playing, we played disco then? We're going to play disco now. And I was like, no, no, we're playing more rock. That's what hurt our reputation was disco music. And he said, oh, yeah, well, chicks like disco. And if you play disco music, they'll come down here, and they're going to give you the biggest love session you'll ever have in your life. I'm like, you know what I mean. I can't say it in front of TV or radio or Internet. But you know what I mean. Uh, You know, when a girl comes down and uh, she wants to be close with you, that's what we mean. So I'm thinking, yeah, uh uh-huh, that's not going to happen down here. Sure enough, it happened to him because he was a chick magnet, and he would come in Friday nights, and I'd be doing my show. He'd turn off the main lights to KDXL, and he would have two or three girls with him, and he would be in the middle room having fun with uh, his dates. And then half hour later, who comes in and turns on the lights? Pete. What's going on? You got it. <laughs> and I said, oh, hi, Pete. Uh, yeah, we, we had a power failure here. He goes, well, the lights are working now. And then uh, the um, Mr. Uh, you know, uh, Mr. Electricity? Mr. Electricity comes out of there and goes, hey, turn those god darn lights back. And he goes, oh, he sees Pete standing there going, what's going on? <laughs> 
And Pete actually kicked that one guy off the station because of other things going on too. And so that was that was some of the stuff. I'll have to write write more about the KDXL story in my book. This is all before I got there. I didn't get there till fall of eighty, but I liked Pete. Pete was yeah. cool. I liked him. We got along good. I was leading up to the period when you started too. Um, actually, I know you missed all this. Uh, yeah, real, I was. I was still in junior stuff. high. You were. Yeah, you I was in ninth still, grade. Yeah, and you know what was fun in uh, April of eighty when you were still in jail high, junior high. Um, w- my friend Bob. I guess I can mention his name, Bob Nelson and myself, we were starting to recruit uh, people for KDXL. So we had to go to Central Junior High and sit at a table and uh, take down names of people, you know, names and telephone numbers of who wants to join KDXL when they get to high school. We did the Central, and then we did Westwood. And I was like, hey, Bob, I'm coming with you to Westwood. I, for some, I just want to go back to the Junior High. It'll be a lot of fun. So we go there, and we're right out of the lunchroom area. And, of course, a lot of people that I knew, uh, like, um, you know, some of our old friends that are in your grade, were swarming around us like, hey, Stu, what are you doing back here? What's going on? And I'm saying we're trying to recruit people for KDXL, the high school station and all that. And um, anyway, of the um, Dave Swerlick, of all people, who have been in – he's done shows here before. And he was uh, – you know, with his other friends that we know, I mentioned off air, uh, he was like, hey, uh, Stu, can I uh, join the station? And I'm like, yeah, sure, just write your name down and number and all that. And I said to him and a couple other friends, you know, I'm going down there this weekend to do a show. You guys want to come down and I'll give you a crash course on, uh, you know, how the station works, if you want to do it or not. So I'm carting uh, three of the guys um, down to KDXL mid-April of 80, and uh, they spent more time running around the high school than actually me trying to show them how to queue up records and, and say, non-commercial KDXL, blah, blah, blah. So, um, but they, were, they had a good time anyway. And then um, summer 80, we were recruiting a lot of people that were new at the time, and I think Dave got his show in the summer 80, because we had to fill in some positions. And I thought, you know, why why wait till September of 80? I'll just train you in. You're here already. We had another kid named Ken Bradley, actually, who was a stand-up comedian, a national one. And um, we trained him in, too. And then uh, when the school... I know the years get... Yeah. You know. Anyway, um, so... The school year starts, 80-81, and all of a sudden we got the barrage of all the ninth grade and 10th grade kids. They brought the ninth grade over to our high school at, that year, too. So it wasn't just your grade. And I thought, right. oh, my God, we're going to get swarmed with a bunch of uh, younger kids coming in. How are we going to handle this? That was fine. We we were fine. We trained you in and a couple other people. John Vita was a kid that got trained. Yep, he was there, too. I remember him. Yep, that's how I met him. In fact, uh, uh, one of our old friends that uh, passed away quite a, quite a few years ago, he was a good kid. And I don't know if I trained him in or um, someone else. Someone else may have trained him in. But um, I remember working with you and um, first name Randy and, uh, you know, your other old friend. And um, I just remember training in a bunch of people for like a three-week period and crossing my fingers hoping everyone will get it all done and they'll be able to be good disc jockeys and... Um, Actually, that year, uh, when uh, we were on automatic pilot, there weren't any real big problems. No one came in and start started fights or anything. We had about four or five fights my second year there. And just some guy comes in and goes, Hey, you! There you are! And just went... And, you know, one one, uh, one fight I had to break up, actually. I, you know, like, peeled two guys off, like, a piece of paper. 
tearing apart. I'm just like, what the heck is going on here? Well, he said something about this, and he did, 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 did. oh yeah, well, let me fight again. I'm, Typical high school stuff. Yeah, basically. So we had another another fight in there, kind of um, in February of '80, and you know, I I witnessed a fight when I was in tenth grade, and thank God if if there were any fights and I was in twelfth grade, I didn't see them because I wasn't in there. But when I was there. Everything was pretty quiet, actually. So you were there during a very quiet period. Yeah, I, I was there doing the... I did some DJing there, but it was mostly I wanted to do sports. I wanted to do play-by-play during the high school. The, the bas- we, did sport, we did basketball games, and that's one yes. of the things I wanted to do a lot, of too. And, and I uh, could have put you in and fired the other guy, and I wanted to. No, Gre- you wanted to fire Greg? Definitely. <laughs> Stories I could tell you, he's my first friend. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, no, no offense to you, but uh, not to you. Yeah, but, uh, no, we we did we did some things I together. Put you but, together with him, but we 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 did some uh, stuff together doing games. But it was mostly him because he had been there for a while, and that was his big thing, and and that was his territory, which is fine. It was. Yeah, doing yeah. the sports, doing the sports stuff. Okay. At the time, well, that's just the way it is. Yeah. We wound up we wound up in the same industry at competing stations for yeah. several years, mm-hmm. but uh, uh, oh, those 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 high school days, those crazy yeah. wacky <laughs> high school days. Oh, I remember one incident when he was doing a basketball game. He put on as a co co pilot with him, and I was so livid with him doing this. This is in December of nineteen eighty. Uh, and I guess I can tell the tale now. I've told it to a few people. He, um, I don't know if he didn't have anyone to uh, do the basketball game with him or not, but he put on a kid that is one of our neighborhood friend. Well, he used to be a friend, this one other kid. And uh, he knocked KDXL left, right, up, and down because he knew that me and uh, that Jed were there. Um, anyway, but he said, oh, I listen to Stuart Helcho, and I turned to KQ, and that station, all they play is, you know, um, uh, music that you can't say in front of kids, uh, a, a bad word. And he just knocked that station. All of a sudden, here it is. I'm at the station Friday night in a basketball game, and, you know, this is Greg and so and so. And I'm just like, what? No, uh uh-uh. uh. That kid ain't going on KDXL. So uh, I, I almost went up to uh, their booth up there, and I said, Greg, if he doesn't leave, I am going to hit him and hit you. I mean it. And I will get a pool stick and knock him silly. He has never, ever to be... I, w- I never got violent at KDXL, except for that one night. And I thought, where am I going to get a pool stick? So I did the next best thing. I just turned off the transmitter and threw on a Yoko Ono album and played it as long as I was there. Or as long as, uh, long as the game went. And they were hearing it. They were like, hearing... Ay, ay, and they're well, gee, I don't know what that is. Uh, sounds like uh, I don't know. Maybe it's another station. And I'm just like, as long as that other a hole is on the station, he's not going to be heard. And I was adamant about that. So I did a bad thing, but it was a good thing. Trust me on this. The yeah. biggest mouth in St. Louis Park was not going to be on KDXL. No. Yeah. So there, way it is. Yep, but I was 18 years old at the time, so I I feel different. But you know, um, I was just not. Per, I'm not permitting one person that was my nemesis back then that I never got along. Yeah, with, I mean, basically. I probably would have. If it was a similar situation, I probably would have done the same thing. I mean, a lot of people would have. I mean, given given your age and the context, whatever. You know, it's a similar thing. Yeah. 
So um, I did other rotten things around there that uh, I'll say, tell later. Yeah, for another show. Oh, definitely. <laughs> for another time. Yeah, so, but, say, uh, give me another reason to come back in town to another podcast. Save it for another show. Okay, I certainly will. All right. Um, the siphoning uh, incident will uh, no. keep for another show. <laughs> <laughs> All okay, right. how about um, when I actually had a girl? No, never mind. No. <laughs> okay, fine. Oh, you don't want to hear about that one? Another time. Give me another reason to come back to town. Okay. Another reason why you have to buy Betty Crocker uh, canned peaches. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Um, should we play some music? Yes. Or, uh, okay, fine. Be that way. Speaking about sports, let's make sure that this is all queued up. Okay. I have one on turn t- the right turntable, or to uh, Dave's left. Um, by They're a both guy- to my left. Okay. One is just further left. Okay. But yeah. Okay, turn- the further right. Stage one. right. Stage, yeah, exit stage right. Ah, wasn't that fun? Thank you again for joining us, Dave Levine and myself on Songs of the Basement, Stuart Held. And Dave Levine was, again, our guest star on Songs of the Basement on this special uh, three-part series that we put together. And uh, Dave will be happy that uh, at least two parts are already uh, posted. (laughs) Wait till the third part. We have one more part to go, and that's coming very soon. So thanks again for everyone joining in on Dave Levine and ourselves as we talk about life, love, and uh, maybe fooling around. No, just kidding. Uh, and our music that we grew up with. And we will return with our final segment, part three, coming very, very soon. Thanks, everyone. Stay safe. We'll see you soon. Bye, all. Bye.